0: Welcome to Cinemaholics. I am John Agroni, and this is Will Ashton. Hey, what's up? We're here to talk about a movie, and here's here's what happened. So we were going to talk about two movies on the main show this week. We were going to talk about West Side Story, because, I mean, obviously, it's the big release. Everyone wants to hear about West Side Story. Everyone's snapping their fingers for it.
1: Sure. Yeah, and we were also going to talk about, um, what, being the Ricardos? And, well, uh, well,
0: I had a feeling I wouldn't get to being the Ricardos on time. Well, I wanted to. I wanted to. But there was some drama around getting to see that film ahead of time. But no, right. we're going to talk about Don't Look Up. And here's the thing. Scheduling conflicts. We don't have a lot of time. So we decided we're going to break things up a little bit. It is award season. There's lots of releases coming out. It's the holidays. We're busy. You get it. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to kind of take this one by one. We're going to start with Don't Look Up. And then we're going to talk about West Side Story tomorrow. And then that'll be a big, big old review. It'll be a lot of fun, I think. Sure, it's kind of funny too because don't look up. It's not that it's a smaller movie, because no, it's
1: actually uh, <laughs> it's long. quite sizable. It's one of the biggest Netflix releases of the year.
0: Is it really? I mean, Irishman was uh, probably one of the bigger ones too, wasn't? Of
1: it? the year, I said. I think or, oh, of like,
0: the year of twenty
1: twenty one. I remember when they they had that trailer at the beginning of the year Netflix, and it was like, look at all the movies we got coming out, and it was like. Bookend with red notice and then don't look up, but like yeah. don't look up. They're like teasing the footage. They're just like, hey, we're not going to show you much from this, but get ready. It's our big like it's, it, like that red notice and I guess tick tick boom or yes. something else. That I'm forgetting about where like they're blockbusters for the year.
0: Well, and it, it just in terms of movies that they have awards hopes for, tick tick boom, of course, right. and this film are two of the big ones. And I think with uh, and Power of the Dog, obviously, which I think is Mm -hmm. probably its most acclaimed of the year.
1: Sure, but that's not like a blockbuster. This is like a. I know that's why I
0: I said before I said awards stuff, right? And I, I think that that's that's key in this month uh, I think mm-hmm. because yeah they have red notice they have they have those movies that kind of like scratch a certain itch I know they also had some hopes for the unforgivable but uh, I've heard that that film is not good at all
1: uh, they acquired that one right I don't think that was a original Netflix film if I I don't know
0: if they acquired it I know that it's based on like a British miniseries or something right. so I'm, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised mm-hmm. but yeah they, I mean this movie don't look up they've had a lot of hopes for I think to sort of be that, uh, you know, kind of a backup plan for The Power of the Dog, maybe. I think Power of the Dog has Jane Campion. It kind of has a built-in Oscars narrative. Don't Look Up does, too, though. Don't Look Up mm-hmm. is the latest film from Adam McKay. His last film was Vice, the one before that, the big short. These are movies that—and I think—did he produce Bombshell? Or am I making that up?
1: Maybe. I mean, the big thing right now is that he is a executive producer, and he directed the pilot for Succession. Okay. which seems to be probably, of the things that he's doing right now, that seems to be the one with the biggest cultural footprint because, yeah, he's in this kind of weird phase in his career where he obviously started off, you know, head writer for SNL, paved his way into filmmaking with the Anchorman movie, Step Brothers, uh, The Other Guys. Talladega Talladega Nights? Nights. Can't skip that one. I'm not. I was leading up to it. Um, Oh, okay. okay. Well, you went
0: past it. Step Brothers 2008, Talladega Nights 2006
1: sure but um yeah so I, I mean there was like the first phase of his career where he was like i'm making dumb frat boy kind of comedy yeah where's but, like, will they Farrell,
0: have... get him on the phone we got a movie right. to make.
1: but it's the type of thing where it's like i guess you watch the films and it's like oh like you know they're kind of dumb larks but all of them have something that they're saying either about like masculinity or like these sort of institutions that parade themselves with you know incompetent people you know that was certainly the case with um the Other guys and the Anchorman movies, but it seemed like he just wasn't really satisfied with just making these dumb comedies, or there's something in him that was just like, What am I doing? Yeah, yeah. I'm a filmmaker, I need to be saying <laughs> important things. Well,
0: you can see it even as early as uh, Anchorman 2. He made that movie in 2013, and that movie, yeah, it was a sequel to the first Anchorman, but it, the first Anchorman was so irreverent, whereas Anchorman sure. 2 really was like, Okay, we're going after like cable news, like that was right. The, that was like the undercurrent of that movie. So you started to see that progression. Well, there's I mean, also The movie right after yeah. that he did was the big short.
1: Right. But even before that, when you see the other guys like that, at, at the end of the other guys, there is a scene during the credits where he like breaks down like all these institutional facts about like the police system and all that. You remember this at all?
0: I don't remember that at all. Oh, I mean, really? I, I, I remember that guys.
1: vividly. The that's like the I re- thing i remember the most yeah. i
0: barely remember anything from that movie except for samuel jackson and the rock jumping off of the building right because it's the best but no
1: like yeah no at the end of the credits like there's like this whole thing it, it comes like out of nowhere where i he's, think this like, is
0: like vice where i did not know there was a post credits and i never saw it
1: i don't know what happens with you and like adam mckay movies during the credits you just like i
0: I mean with this movie i i mean we, we'll get to it but with don't look up i was like do i really and i did i sat through this Dang credits, mm-hmm. and it was not worth it. But whatever, we'll get to that.
1: Yeah, but anyway, yeah. I mean, there are end credit scenes. I, I'm glad you're you're uh, not thinking I'm gaslighting you this time. <laughs> well, that there, happened there are Vice, end credits. Yeah,
0: I don't know about The Big Short, but I know with Vice, like we had a, a famous argument in 2018. Uh, I don't know if it was, it was, really if it an was even an argument or was more of me being befuddled and you being worried on my behalf because I was like, this never happened. I never saw this. There's a yeah. alleged Vice post credit scene where they're in like a focus group.
1: It's real. I keep showing it to you uh, (laughs) just to prove they exist and I guess to torture myself because it's an awful scene. Yeah, I know. um,
0: A little bit sadist on your part, but okay.
1: But anyway, yes. But at at the end credits of the other guys, there's like these like very statistics driven uh, analytics that happen that it feels very out of place. And it's just like, okay, like that's kind of a weird thing to put in this movie. But it's nice to walk away with some, you know, some extra facts, I guess. Some fast food for thought. Sure. Yeah. And then, yeah, like you said, Anchorman 2. I still like Anchorman 2, but that's the type of film where it's just like... it feel, Like, that feels like it's... The the leanness of his earlier movies goes away, and he, that one's a little bit baggier. It kind of feels like he's just, like, not really editing himself. He's just kind of putting everything he wants in the movie, and it's like, okay, you know, whatever. Like, I still think it's a pretty funny movie, but by the end of it, it feels exhausting in a way that the first Anchorman movie just feels very breezy and uh condensed and yeah now like all these other movies since then are just like an onslaught of footage and scenes and monologues and characters explaining yeah, he's things lots of,
0: he's experimenting a lot big short breaks the fourth wall quite a bit vice yeah. kind of does but i think vice was one of his was kind of the more normal version of the big short um
1: uh, i remember vice being more explainy than then you're giving it credit. Like there's a lot of stuff compared to the big short
0: though. I feel like the big short was (laughs) like at times playing with like what if this is a narrative and a documentary and the vice turned that way down.
1: Right. But I guess the big thing is that like with the big short, he had this kind of thing where it's like before he was like everyone's sort of like laughing at these characters. Now he's like pointing his fingers at people and being like, all right, let's be real. Like in big short, he's like these guys are the crooks. Like these guys are bad guys. This is why they're bad. If you don't believe this, you've been living with your head under a rock for too long, it's like, okay, like it's He's easy getting to see on his soapbox like,
0: a bit. He's preaching,
1: right. Right. But, like, the big short, I get it, because it's just, like, that's a huge thing, and a lot of people weren't fully aware, like, the extent of how that was happening. Like, I, I give him a pass with that one. And then with Vice, it's like, okay, like, calm down. I was alive during this period. I was a kid, and I was aware of this stuff. But, fine, you know, like, it's a big deal. Like, we don't fully recognize the extent that Dick Cheney is evil and did all these horrible things. Fine. But this movie, it's, like, supposed to be a farce. It's supposed to <laughs> yeah, be, yeah. like, Dr. Strange He's Doctor gone from covering Beast real Networks. events to right.
0: skewering, like like, parroting and satir- satirizing it with fictional content, like, more fictional content.
1: Right. But he's still, like, you know, filled with this contempt, and he's, like, wagging his finger and all this stuff, man. It's just, like, this is supposed to be fun. Like, this is supposed to be a farce. Like, you're not supposed to be, like, this angry going into it, I think. But maybe that's just me.
0: Well, well, I I don't know how I personally feel because, uh, I mean, let's let's talk about Don't Look Up. First, I do want to say, because you, you kind of did, did your own little rundown of his movies, and I think most people... Probably say Anchorman is their favorite movie from him. It's probably the best written. That's mine. It's probably the funniest. I mm-hmm. slightly prefer Step Brothers. I know people hate See? Step Brothers, but I love yeah. Step Brothers a lot.
1: um <laughs> Came out at just I, the right time for me. I guess. Yeah, I don't get Step Brothers. I respect. It's one of those things where I'm like, I respect people that like it. It's the only Adam McKay movie besides this one that I don't really care for, but to use their own.
0: Uh, yeah, it's just it's just one of those movies. I I quote it endlessly and I, I remember much more of it than I do Anchorman, probably because I've seen it more times. But yeah, with this new film, Don't Look Up, as I mentioned before, I mean they're going into it with really big aspirations. This cast is unbelievable. We have Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence as the stars. Really it's DiCaprio's movie, though he has the big arc
1: right and both those stars like they're not making as many movies these days like this is the first movie Jennifer Lawrence has done i think since Red Sparrow right
0: it's been a long time she she kind of took a break and yeah. i don't know like people have like their different uh, theories as to what's been going on um i think uh, after, before red sparrow we, there was also mother and passengers and she yep. just kind of had a lot of films one after another that were sort of uh, not catching fire to borrow a phrase from a sure. movie she was in but I think at the same time, it makes sense for me that she would take a little bit of a break, kind of like a reset, and kind of come back with something great. And then mm-hmm. she came back with "Don't Look Up."
1: Um, well, but, I think it yeah. makes sense. Like, you know, like she like became like the biggest movie star in the world at 22, and then you know, like she's kind of burned herself out. She did yeah, like yeah. blockbusters and indie movies and stuff. And she did a then, lot
0: of stuff. She did a lot of David O. Russell stuff. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, she was on the Bill Engvall show right before she was doing I like who could the, forget. Yeah. yeah yeah and i mean she was doing other movies but she was doing like like crazy and like all these other things as for dicaprio i mean dicaprio is kind of in a weird stage of his career where like okay he got his oscar you know the long-awaited oscar for the revenant uh i think the last time we saw him was uh once upon a time in hollywood and so it's, yeah. it hasn't been that long for him but it definitely is right like, whenever he comes along with a movie these days it's like okay
1: like it's this, an event this is an awards pitch um, right right yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's like an event when he makes a movie now. Yeah. It's not like he doesn't just like make a movie for the sake of it. He there was even talks after The Revenant that he was gonna retire, so it was kind of a big deal when he did, he did Once take upon a big time break. in Hollywood.
0: He took a big yeah. break after The Revenant, uh, a longer break than after this than after uh, Once mm-hmm. Upon a Time in Hollywood because Revenant comes out like what, like twenty fifteen, like late twenty fifteen, I think. Yeah. Once upon a time in Hollywood is four years later. Uh, so now it's, yeah, it's, we don't get movies from him often, but when we do, like you're saying, it's like, oh, okay, this is going to, is this going to be another Wolf of wall street kind of thing where, you know, it's going to, he's going to really come out with like a big performance, you know, like Django or great Gatsby, Sure. but yeah, he's
1: doing, uh, some yeah. of his best work right now. In my opinion, at least. I I think for
0: me, he's one of the best things about this movie, but we'll get into it. Uh, Big cast, like I said, Rob Morgan, Jonah Hill, Mark Rylance, Tyler Perry, Ron Perlman, Kate Blanchett, Timothy Chalamet, Ariana Grande. So many people in this movie, Uh, Melanie Linsky, Meryl Streep, and the plot of it, we kind of already touched on it briefly, is that. DiCaprio and Lawrence are two scientists at Michigan State. He's a tenured professor. She is a PhD candidate. They discover a comet that is hurtling toward the Earth at a near 100% certainty. But when they try to bring this news to the White House and to the media... No one can seem to take it seriously. Everyone's kind of out for their own interests. Uh, The New York Herald, the stand for the New York Times, they initially kind of take it seriously, but really only as like a hit piece against the White House. And when it becomes like a little bit embarrassing for them, they they kind of like turn away from it. The White House doesn't take it. seriously. they're only thinking about it in terms of like the midterms. We kind of have uh, Meryl Streep as this president with Jonah Hill as her son slash chief of staff certainly skewering a kind of mix of like Trump and Hillary Clinton and Marjorie Taylor Greene. We can kind of tell that Adam McKay he's kind of, I think, attempting to avoid making very overt political statements. I don't think he's like uh. all the time being like, both sides are terrible. I think he's sort of saying like, I don't know, <laughs> like everyone is terrible. It's not, I don't know. Did you, did you a read on that?
1: I mean, he's definitely skewing the right more than the left at this point. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. It's not
0: like he's saying both are equally bad. I think he's saying one is certainly worse. The other has a lot to improve on.
1: It's like the South Park thing where it's just like they're both pretty bad and dumb, but like one is outright evil and the other is just incompetent. And it's just like, yeah. And that's not the South Park thing.
0: I think that's like the average voter thing.
1: Sure. (laughs) Honestly but i'm talking like for this we're just trying to be yes. like kind of like broad and, and sophomoric like that's the general idea i guess and i like south park a lot to be fair that's not a dismissive thing against south park
0: for sure for sure this is a movie that on the one hand is really like high production values Sin- linus Sandgren is doing the cinematography and at times i'm like this is like a weirdly big budget for a movie like this like for a movie that's trying to be kind of like a comedy with like very heavy handed satirical elements mm-hmm. it's kind of shot like damien chazelle would have directed it it's kind of sure. interesting to me what did, what did you what did you think of the movie overall though i mean did it work for you because i uh, haven't had as much time to chew on it as you have
1: i mean by i have time to chew i saw it sunday so it's not like i've been like mulling it a lot you had an extra uh, 24
0: hours that's a lot of time
1: yeah i mean <laughs> I'm in a weird place with Adam McKay. I think I respect him a lot and I think he's a smart guy, but, and I think he's a talented filmmaker too, to be clear. But uh, I think he's at this weird phase in his career where I think his ego is inflated as such that he, I can't, I think he just can't really see the forest from the trees at this point. Like, I I get that, like, with this movie, he's trying to go back a little bit to his roots. He's kind of trying to split the difference by being like, I'm going to make a broad satire. I'm not just going to make another, like, dramedy based on real people. I'm going to make something that's for the times now, but it's going to be lampoonish and off the wall and goofy as my earlier four films. Kind of like Idiocracy.
0: I think he was a bit inspired by that movie. Yeah,
1: I mean... Sure. I mean, there's a lot of things that this is easy to compare to. I, th- I think we mentioned already Dr. Strangelove seems to be the big comparison yeah. point here. Network is a big one. Uh, I thought a lot about Mars Attacks <laughs> during this. Um, and also, obviously, I think towards the end, Melancholia comes into play. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, it's another example of like, I just keep thinking of better movies <laughs> that I'm watching while I'm watching this one. Man, but Mars Attacks you-
0: isn't better than this.
1: Oh, are you kidding? No, Mars Attacks is way better than this. No Mar-tax way. Is
0: good. No, no, no. No, you're wrong no, on this no, one. No, no, no you're no. wrong.
1: Mars Attacks is really good. <laughs> um, we
0: will not agree
1: on that. I would gladly watch Mars Attacks. Is a way better political satire than this movie is. I think and it's trying to do the same exact thing as far but as, but it's, it's like,
0: a bad movie. But
1: okay, uh, you can be wrong. <laughs> it's fair. I know. I know. Um, you
0: got, I think you have a you have a softer spot for Burton than I do. I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, but that movie, the way it tackles the Clinton administration, I think, is really clever and smart. I, I think you're not giving that movie enough credit. To but some fair. Look, but yeah, we'll,
0: we'll have look, a conversation about that down the line.
1: Look, I can be wrong about Step Brothers and you can be wrong about Mars Attacks. There we it's go. Fine.
0: Yeah, common ground. There we go.
1: Um, but in any case, uh, yeah, I mean, it's trying to be this very, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's a high concept, big budget. Satire and in in the star studded, and it's original and it's concept. And it's like, yeah, like I want to support a movie like that because we get these very rarely. The last time I could think we've had something like this was probably like downsizing the um, Alexander Payne movie from 2017. And similar to that movie, it's frustrating to watch because you see like all this potential, all this money being thrown into something that I want, but the script, I think, just ultimately doesn't service the concept that well. I think there's a lot of stuff in terms of the production value that I really like. Like you said, I really like the way it's shot that has this kind of high-ergy, frenetic style that... that is very visually interesting and also i like that this is a netflix movie that actually looks like a film you know we've seen so many netflix movies that look like they're shot on vaseline and this is actually a movie that looks like a film and you know seeing it on the big screen i was like hey this looks nice it's visually appealing that's that's rare for it a, does look nice to
0: the point where like it, it, i'm almost complaining about a good thing of like it's it, to me it felt like overkill at times but that's definitely not the worst problem to have
1: no i mean i would take that over like you know over-the-shoulder shot yeah, and yeah. like screen screen stuff, which there is some of that in here too. But you know, whatever. I agree with um, you it, Yeah, but I think cinematography looks. I really like the score for this. Uh, it's um, the guy does the succession music as well, and I think it's it's a really fun zippy zaz- jazzy sort of score. Yeah, it's Nicholas Patel. And uh, I think yeah. it, I
0: think it got a Critics Choice uh, nomination. He did the score for like Moonlight, Beale Street Could mm-hmm. Talk. I mean, again, it's like this movie has the trappings of so many like awards, you know, people well, trying to make it a thing.
1: Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's like because he has I mean, he's an Oscar winner, Adam McKay. Like he has like all these, you know, high caliber people. But the satire yeah. is so flimsy and half baked that it's just frustrating to watch. Because it's like from a production standpoint, yeah, this is really impressive and well made, but. From a satirical standpoint, it's just not that funny or not that smart and what it's trying to satire. And, you know, all the the, the arguments that I try to make are pretty obvious and, you know, even outdated in some respects. And it just feels like a movie that's trying to be for the now but already comes off is kind of uh, out of touch and outdated from the get-go. And for me, that's just a pretty frustrating thing to watch. But how about you?
0: it's coming out at an interesting time because I know that he was working on the film. I think they might've started shooting it even before COVID and the whole concept beforehand was okay, let's make a movie. It was going to be about like climate change, right?
1: Yeah. I was going to say climate change. It's like, it's still climate change. It's climate change. COVID now.
0: It's climate change by way of COVID. And I think that on the, I think that this is a movie that I appreciate more than anything else, because even though I, I, I think I agree with you in terms of like, yeah, you know, it's, I don't know if the satire itself is flimsy. Like, I think the message is clear. I think that what it's trying to say is important. And I think it's true. Um, I think that it's something that a lot of people need to hear. Um, and I think that sure. this is a movie that for its length is too long. And I, but I'm glad yes. that it's going to be on Netflix because I think it's a hard movie to sit through at the big screen because it's a lot. And mm-hmm. it, on Netflix, I think it's going to be a little bit easier to manage for people. If that makes sense. Yeah, I get that. Because I think for me, I was getting a little bit like there is a there is a preaching of the choir element to this for people like us who are going into it. Right. And you can't really avoid that. We kind of have to just be honest, like we're watching it and we're like, we know, like, we know, we live this all the time. It feels just a little bit like I don't want to think about that right now. But yeah, I mean you're right. <laughs> like the These are like very key reasons why things like climate change uh, really are just going to are dooming us all. And like, we know what to do. We know, you know, that w- the science is confirmed. We know that, you know, if we don't take these steps, it's ruined. People like people are going to die. It's going to be a world leveling event. But there are just people who do not care and go out of their way to not allow for us to solve the problem because there's money to be made. The thing is, like, you don't need two and a half hours to tell that story. You just do not. right.
1: Like it's, it's a ugh. two and a half hour SNL skit, basically, which just gets old after a while.
0: <laughs> it does, and I think it's because I think one of the reasons they were a bit precious with it is because of DiCaprio. And I think that he has a clear arc in here. And I think that they, the movie just got away from McKay with the he does the screenplay here. um I think David Sirota helped with the story idea. Yeah. But like when you're watching it, you can just sort of tell that like. While making this movie, he got a little bit caught up in, well, we got to have this part where DiCaprio has this whole thing with Kate Blanchett and he has to learn to do this. And then, oh, yeah, we got to get to the, the point of the the title of the film, which actually, to me, was like something that should have happened an hour earlier. And uh, yeah, does that make sense? It's like the, yeah. the whole don't, don't look up aspect of the satire. It does feel like an SNL skit. So it's right. weird to put it at the very end of a two and a half hour movie.
1: Yeah. I mean, I thought... When I say it's flimsy, I just thought the comedy in the previous two films that McKay did, while they were also kind of shot, it's clear that he's punching up. Like he's attacking people who like, you know, like Wall Street brokers who screwed over the economy in the country or the actual politicians that screwed things up. But this movie seems like he's just kind of like... Well, screw the media for, you know, being interested in celebrities and screw, you know, the people for just not caring enough about the climate and screw politicians. It just feels like he's just kind of going like everywhere with this. And that's what I'm trying to say when he uh, can't really see the forest from the trees. It's so cynical in its presentation where he's just trying to, like, be mad about everything that I just don't feel like his argument is contained enough to really punch down or, you know, punch up at the, the the things that are really you know causing these things to happen like i think for me if the comedy was more about like he presents it to the white house but like because of bureaucracy like it just keeps getting like pushed aside or like they just keep deflecting it which is kind of like what they're trying to do before but they just don't really focus on that after like 20 minutes i think that's more accurate and, and more damning than just being like oh look at these befuddling fools who are just you know too oblivious to see what's happening i just feel like that just get that that type of satire just gets really old real quick if it was something that was you know a little bit smarter a little bit more focused i think this would have been a more effective satire but as it is it just feels like it's just kind of going trying to do everything at once basically without really nailing its targets down at least in my opinion it's
0: it's not that i disagree with you necessarily it's just that I, i i sympathize a lot with what he's saying though and I think that it, there is something really valuable about it. Like, yeah, it's not in the the, uh, the sharpest presentation or the most concise explanation that I think will be as effective as it should be. But I do think that his frustration resonates. Like this frustration with like, I think it would have been a little bit... Uh, I think he would have been going too lenient if he did chalk it up to it's it's just this one thing over everything else. I think that it does make sense that like it is a little bit of everything. It is, you know, sort of like the morning joe people, you know, the or the G- good morning America view people who are obsessed yeah, guess, yeah. with making light of the world and not really confronting what's going on in general and then also the white house not just for like the bureaucratic aspect of it but i think in this movie there were a few times where i was like you know that's that's a unique angle where it seems to me like these people you expect the the dramatic tension happening is that you expect the news of the comet to 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 evoke a reaction but it doesn't for anybody and the reason it seems to not do that is because people don't want to hear it it, it, there is this sort of like blissful ignorance that I think is real. That I think is smart. I think that is speaking to, yeah, people hear the climate change thing and they hear it's like, yeah, it's, it's a certainty, but because they don't want to hear it, they just sort of like brush it aside and be like, ah, well, what are you going to do? And then it's only until things get worse, 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 and worse that it becomes this polarized, like, don't look up, you know, frenzy that, you know, we are currently in the middle of. So I don't know. I, I, I keep going back and forth with, where I land ultimately on the effectiveness of this movie, especially because I do hope people see it.
1: I guess for me, I've said this before, but I feel like Adam McKay, if I had any advice for him, it would just be to watch Sullivan's travels or rewatch if you've seen it already, because that's a film that I feel like the message of that film would probably be what I want from Adam McKay, which is just basically like you can focus on everything that's awful and pitiful about the world. But you can also recognize that at the end of the day, people need these distractions just to get through the day. And I think there needs to be a balance like that. But I think the idea—you don't idea think the ending
0: just, though has
1: that. I think the ending is more about making peace with the inevitable. Yeah, for which sure. Which I think is not so much about recognizing that there can be distractions, but also that you know we can recognize the the true terror of the world and all that. I think. For me, it just seems like Adam McKay has this kind of weird self-hatred with his work where he feels like he's like almost mad at himself for making these dumb sophomore comedies earlier in his career when it's like, I think those were more effective at you know, tackling these things that he wants to say because they're more palatable and they weren't feeling like they were condescending and, you know, overly critical of other people. Like, these movies that he's making, he's making right now just seem to have so much spite for their audience that it's just like, well, are you really the most effective person to be talking about these things? Because it just seems like you hate everybody and everything and that's fine. Like, I I don't think his frustration is unwarranted, yeah, again, but just I relate. becoming... <laughs> <You know? laughs> I get, but it's just like... If you are just gonna be this frustrated and everything, like, what do you, what is ultimately he really trying to say here? It seems like he's trying to say so much and so little at the same time. That's where I feel like I am frustrated. It's that like, I, it's not that his frustration is unwarranted; It's just that it just doesn't feel like he's really nailing down his targets. That's what I've been trying to, I, I get, to say throughout. I get where you
0: are coming from. I think I think the reason I probably like this a bit more than you do is probably because um, I think I am at peace with the mistakes that were made and how it's clear to me, like. This movie it makes my biggest issue is that it makes a straw man out of its own topic which it doesn't need to do right. like it, it it's the kind of subject matter that like is already so nonsensical in the real world that right. you don't have to really make up a comment to get it across but at the same time I think that it's it is a weird movie it's almost like a contradiction of a movie in a sense that he is using comedy he's using the farce of it all to distract you know, in a movie that's about how we shouldn't be too distracted. It almost makes me feel like he is in on that, Um, which is probably why while watching the movie – I think I find it a bit funnier than other people seem to. There are a few gags in here that I think are actually really smart and clever. And uh, one of them, which really has nothing to do with the subject matter, but just this idea of like a general charging for free snacks and how it gets brought up over and over again, like stuff like that. I don't know, like in a movie where I was feeling kind of miserable, it it kind of perked up my spirits all the same. So it's not that I really, really like this movie or anything. I guess I'm just, I, I think I had a better experience with it.
1: I, I think we're not that far off in our experience. It's just that for me, I just find myself more frustrated because the stuff that I like about the film, I feel is undermined by the stuff that I think is kind of trite and ho-hum. And I just think that Adam McKay is too talented to be making these sort of uh, middling efforts. Like I think he could be doing better, and I, I think he has the skill and talent to be making some really smart, profound films, but he just gets kind of caught up in his own self-righteousness i guess like he's this sense of like superior morality or something you know moral superiority is what i'm trying to say i agree. Uh, like this yeah i just i don't know i just for me it's just frustrating because it, it like this is the type of film he should be making i think it's just that i just don't think he really is at peace with what he wants to say yeah he's just i think he's so caught up in it all and i, I sympathize because you know like he's making this movie he's making a political satire at a time where the president is like you have to drink bleach to get rid of the covid disease and he's <laughs> you know he, he's saying in interviews like how the do i make president. it more ballooned yeah sorry for well i mean at the time that he was making the film like that's Trump true, was president when they were filming this is what i'm trying to say and like in interviews he's like how do i balloon this like this is what the president of the united states is saying like and i have to like be goofier than that so i sympathize where it's like yeah like How do you make a political satire like this at a time where, you know, truth is stranger than fiction? And, yeah, I mean, it's not an easy goal, but, you know, I mean, the dude made Anchorman. He was the head writer of SNL when Will Ferrell was around, which is, like, one of its peaks. So I I don't think he he, can—I think he can do it, but I just feel like he's— kind of uh, caught up in his own self-ego at this
0: point. I, th- I think he does do it in spurts in this movie. Not not with every gag, but in some. And I think some people will watch this and maybe find it kind of cathartic to sort of like revel in just the absurdity of everything and be like, yeah, I'm not being gaslit here. Like things right now are super ridiculous like it is in this movie. And so I think there is something small to appreciate there. Um, but real yeah. quick, I, I do want to get sure. into the, the cast a little bit more. Uh, sure. Starting with the people that I think are really good at this. DiCaprio and Lawrence and Rob Mm -hmm. Morgan. Those three are like my three favorite things about this movie. Whenever it's one or two or or three of them together, that's when I think this movie is like hitting a really good note where it's like, it's not just Mm -hmm. like a comedy farce. It is about these characters and it's about them dealing with and being frustrated by just the ineptitude of the world around them. And it's a Mm -hmm. delicate thing. Like I think he could have overplayed it a bit. He could have made them feel too much like bleeding hearts, but instead I think that they're very unique characters. Like, you could take their dialogue out of the screenplay, and I know exactly who is talking based on just the cadence of who they are. So, they're, they're just a terrific uh, um, cast of three there for me.
1: I think Rob Morgan's my favorite performance of the film, but I think his character is severely underwritten. But uh, I guess we disagree I on I don't that.
0: know if it's underwritten. I, I think I, I got don't... more out of his character than I was expecting, which was a nice surprise for me, I guess.
1: I just don't really know much about him outside of his profession. Like I, like the character himself just kind of seems to kind of go with the flow with the script in a weird way.
0: Mm, like it might've cut I, some stuff out possibly.
1: I'm, I'm assuming so. Cause it just seems like, like there's a scene towards the end where I was just like, like, don't you have a family? Like, I mean, maybe who, not. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't honestly know like who who is this guy? Like, I don't know.
0: I, he did come across to me as somebody who had devoted most of his life to his work and had sort of found a kinship with these two scientists. And I think there actually is kind of something sort of sweet about uh, the connection he has to them, especially because they really went through something together. Now, here are the performances I did not like. Um, although I, I'll say the characters I liked, but not as much. Uh, I really like Kate Blanchett and Tyler Perry in this.
1: And I uh, would. You
0: okay. didn't like them.
1: I thought they were fine. Um, I thought they were really funny. Kate Blanchett reminded me, her performance reminded me of that one movie that she did a while back where she played like a bunch of characters. Blue Jasmine? I can't remember the name of it. No, uh, it was like a real under the radar movie. I'm just trying to think of what the name of it oh, was. Oh, under like the her radar? Character, yeah, <laughs> I'm looking it up now. Uh, Manifesto. Did you oh, see I didn't that see film? That. Yeah, she has a character in this that's like like a reporter character. It's very similar to like what she's doing in that film, even down to the veneers. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it, it felt like kind of a lesser version of that, but I thought she was fine. And I like Tyler Perry with Adam McKay. I thought he was great in Vice. I thought he was pretty good in this.
0: He's clearly channeling Michael Strahan in a very fun way. I was kind of back and forth with Mark Rylance. I, I think that, uh, yeah, I don't know. He has his moments, but the characters I,
1: yeah.
0: I couldn't quite get on board with here. I did not really like Meryl uh, Streep in this.
1: Yeah, I wasn't crazy about her. I did not like Jonah Hill. I thought he was generally pretty bad in this. Jonah Hill... I thought he was funny,
0: but I was I was kind oh, of embarrassed. Really? Like it's not something I'd be like, what a funny performance. It's more of like a guilty pleasure. Uh, the, the problem is that he's ad-libbing in a movie where nobody else is ad-libbing. Right. It's it's really odd. Uh, but ah oh, man, he gets some good singers in there, and I think that uh, like it's it's a good yeah. joke that doesn't get old for me, at least.
1: Uh I, I gotta disagree with you on that one then, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I definitely agree with Meryl Streep. I think that's that's such a good idea. They they set it up in such a promising way with her character and like the whole like people see me smoking now i don't have to be embarrassed like there are gags to that effect where i'm like oh that's a good idea in theory but i don't know she's just kind of playing this character in a very like again like it just doesn't quite match what i think the the script is calling for i don't know what went wrong there same thing with timothy chalamet i I do not understand why he's in this movie oh i
1: disagree i thought timothy chalamet was a poorly written character but i thought his performance was actually pretty funny
0: his performance is fine it's just like you could take him out the movie. Like, what what is he here? Oh, for? Oh, sure, it makes no sense. He was sense. the
1: only one that really. I thought he was the only performer of the celebrities that really kind of was on the right lane, wavelength with this movie. Everyone uh, else is kind of like teeter tottering. I felt. I sort of agree. With the exception of our leads, yeah. Um, I thought well, Meryl Streep. It's like it's interesting because like her character. There is the temptation, I think, to just make a straight Trump satire, and they avoid it by kind of making a mash of Trump and Hillary. Which I think is kind of interesting, but like you said, the character doesn't really remain consistent enough to be effective as a satirical figure.
0: It kind of reminds me, like I think what they probably should have gone for more is what Tom Cruise is kind of doing in Tropic Thunder, where it's clearly inspired by other things, but it is unique to at least some extent. Where her, it's like it's too much of like lifting from other personas, and it just doesn't seem like she was given like a, a real character to develop organically as an actor. Right.
1: That that was well, my that's take. what I felt. I thought that was the case for most of the actors in this movie, but I think some fare better than others in that respect.
0: I don't know. I, I think with Jonah Hill, he's just kind of playing a version of himself who is the chief of staff to his mom. I think that's kinda of, I mean
1: I think that's kinda of how he approached it
0: and I I like yeah. I like it.
1: I mean there's I mean he's obviously just doing like the John Jr. thing, which I think could have been effective, but it just didn't like you said, it's a, it's kinda of seemed like they just want him to to riff and find the comedy in the moment and he just didn't really he didn't have enough going for it with the character that yeah. really do enough. Yeah.
0: It seemed like an interesting merge of like Eric Trump, Donald Trump Jr. and Jared Kushner. Just kind of like all wrapped up into one. Uh, sort just of based yeah, on like yeah. some of the jokes he makes, yeah.
1: Right. I think that's like, you can see the character, but I think Jonah Hill is just mainly just doing Don Jr. for this.
0: So it sounds like, uh, like you said, I mean, it, it sounds like we're a bit mixed on it, but uh, I, I do think that like when it hits Netflix, I don't think this is worth going to the theater for. I mean, I you kind of mentioned the cinematography is pretty good and, you know, yeah, sure. But it's not a movie where I'm like, you need to sit in a theater for several hours to, to right. get the most out of it. I think that it'll probably be uh, a bit more palatable Uh, maybe in like a couple of different sits on netflix in fact i was wondering like i wonder if this would have worked better as a series i don't know it might have been even worse in terms of like stretching itself too much but at the same time you could have had more opportunity to really build out these characters more which might have added more to the satire in terms of like what's what's up with the rob morgan character you could do way more with him you could do more with meryl streep's president to make her feel a little bit more of her own thing
1: if it was a satire, as, as a show, I mean, it would just have been Space Force again. That's my belief.
0: <laughs> That's funny. I, I I was just talking to somebody who was like, is it like Space Force? I'm like, almost. <laughs> I mean. But stronger than that for, for me, at least.
1: I think it's better as a movie because if it was just like even 20 minutes shorter, I would say preferably 40 minutes shorter. And it just captured that like kind of like bottle energy of like, capturing that anxiety i think it's really good at capturing the anxiety of leo's character in the beginning just like the sense of like kind of like there's like a throat on your neck and it's constantly just kind of like closing in on you i think the second half just gets too baggy to really um appreciate that that anxiety that's captured in the first half in a way that i think would have been would have made it more effective as a film but yeah i just i i just think satires as films like ideally they should be like 90 95 minutes if not shorter for a movie like this if it's longer than 110 minutes you cut stuff out like just cut out whole characters i don't care this should not be 150 something minutes i think
0: all right well don't look up it's gonna be on netflix on christmas day i think and let's guess the rotten tomato score i'm looking at the critic score for rotten tomatoes right now will have you seen the score yet
1: i've seen variations of the score i don't know what it is right now
0: Okay, so you're going to give your best guess. There are 151 reviews counted for this movie. So, yeah, where where do you think it lands?
1: I think it's at a 56%. 55%.
0: Okay. So, it looks like yeah, you might have you might have saw a, a good variation at some point. Sure. But, um yeah, pretty mixed. 55 uh I think, yeah, it's been fluctuating quite a bit. I think I saw it in the 40s at one point, and then it kind of ticked up. It did get nominated for a bunch of Critics' Choice Awards, so it's weird did to it? me. I, I think there's some critics who really love it, apparently. I didn't nominate it for anything on my ballot, yeah. but, you know, what are you going to do?
1: Sure. Audience uh, score. This is the more interesting one for me, I think. Not to say that I don't respect my fellow critics, but I think the audience. It was is made more for
0: the fans, Will Ash.
1: Sure, there you go. Um,. <laughs> Because I can honestly see it being either way for audience scores. Uh, I'm going to guess like 45% though.
0: 45%? Way off. Audience score out of 50 plus verified ratings is 76%.
1: Okay. I mean, I'm assuming the people who are scoring right now are the people who are going out to theaters to see it. So Yes. I, I imagine they're, they're already in the bag for this movie. Like you said, they're, they're the sort of audience well, that... Wants to like this movie and have like, yeah. the right headspace. I for it
0: imagine, that. I imagine though, the people who see it on Netflix will like it even more because they didn't sit through a super long movie, you know what I mean?
1: I guess I just I just can't imagine a lot of people putting this on Netflix and watching it to the end, you know what I mean? I think that after a while, they'd just be like, Yeah, maybe we should just watch something else.
0: I think I, I think they'll probably pause it and get back to it because they'll want to know what happens. This movie does have a pretty good hook, right? Like, well, what's gonna happen? Is the comic gonna do what it does? So... I don't know. People I people mean, have watched pretty long movies on there. Wasn't Six Underground over two hours?
1: Maybe. I'm um, gonna look it up. Yeah. I mean I I do think the ending yeah. like the last two like hours and eight minutes. I think the last like fifteen minutes of the movie are pretty good. Like I enjoy the the kind of emotional catharsis of it, I guess. But I, no. I don't think it's like funny or anything. I just think it's like yeah, it's like it's like uh, you know, lesser version of the melancholy ending, but it's pretty good.
0: I, I definitely like the mid-credit scene is important. It you know you kind of got to watch it because it it kind of adds closure. <laughs> There's a, a decent gag in there.
1: It pays off a gag from earlier in the film.
0: It does. So, it does. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Uh, the post-credit scene you don't no don't bother. It, you really don't need it. You can watch it on YouTube later. Real Ash and I'll send it to you and be like, this happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean that one. I I. I... I saw the end credits scene, but I forgot about that one. It was as memorable as the mid credit scene in Vice.
0: So, <laughs> Yeah, for better or for worse, right?
1: Right. I mean, I will say, I don't think this movie is as bad as that mid credit scene in Vice. I've heard some people compare it to that. I don't think it's quite that level, but no, it gets no. there times.
0: No, the, that, the Vice one is pure cringe. This is like very, very light cringe, but all right. That is don't look up. As we mentioned before, it is two hours and eighteen minutes long movie. But yeah, I guess we'll see what what more audiences think of it once it hits Netflix for the holidays. It looks like it's December twenty fourth, not yeah, the twenty fifth. So I apologize.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean it's a Friday,
0: so yeah, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about West Side Story. So stay tuned and of course subscribe to the show if you want all the updates on all the latest episodes. Until then, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to subscribe to Cinemaholics on your favorite podcast app of choice or find us on YouTube. See you all next time.